0: Beware. Just chills is a symphony of fear designed to send chills down your spine. It is not for the faint of heart. I'm Tasha. In this episode, I read the story The Things They Take Away by T.J. Lee. A family is terrorized by men that should be collecting garbage, would want to collect much more. Turn down the lights, and let the nightmare begin. Why did the garbage men start coming in the dead of night? Does anyone know? I've been losing an average of 30 minutes of sleep every night for the past 10 days, Now I'm down to a paltry four hours and thirty minutes. My walls are beginning to shift and my vision is blurring. I have to focus. I need to focus. Someone out there has to know. Does anyone know why the garbage collectors have switched to the night shift? Even asking it sends shivers down my spine. It's late and soon I will hear them turn up to collect. I can't sleep upstairs anymore, not where they can see me. Now I sleep in the living room with my gun propped up against my shoulder. The weight, a stern reminder that I am present. I am awake. I'm a threat to them. They won't try anything if I'm a threat to them. Right? I'm sorry. Let me explain. My name is Tyson. I'm a farmer with a thriving family, a loving wife, and two bright young boys. We live in a very remote area that requires a significant amount of divergence for basic services. I won't say where. I won't risk my family or my business, especially knowing what kind of armchair detectives there are out there. I respect what you all do and fear you in equal measure. So I'd rather throw you a bone you can thoroughly chew on, as opposed to delving into my and my family's personal info, What I can tell you is this patch of land has been in my family for six generations, was not acquired illegally or built on sacred land, and to the best of my knowledge, has never had a violent occurrence or bloodshed. We're normal, hard-working folks who have always tried to do right. Which makes what is going on here all the more difficult to understand, to quantify and reason with when the basic logic gives way. I hear you. You're undoubtedly scratching your heads and asking, why are garbage collectors such an issue? And I don't blame you. I'll get to that. Something shifted by the gates. No sound. Couldn't be the garbage men. You could hear them a mile off. They weren't subtle about making their presence known. The first night they turned up was so startling that I honest to God thought we were being robbed by the most unprofessional thieves this part of the world had ever birthed. Rambunctious, loud and borderline jovial in their candour. It was always the same, each and every time. The sounds of the huge mechanical vehicle roaring as it drove up my dirt road, crushing twigs and kicking up dirt as it ground to a stop by the gates some fifty feet from my front door. Two thuds, boots hitting the ground, stumbling over to the main gate where our trash was left for the garbage men on a Tuesday. Usually a couple of surly men got out, grunted, and hauled ass out of the area as soon as possible. These two couldn't have been happier to be there from the sounds of things. Young men, the smiles almost visible in their tone. This the one, Bill? Looks ready to me. I reckon it is Jeff. Let's get her done. A laugh, a high five, the sounds of something being dragged and thrown into the truck before they backed out of the driveway and go off into the night. Unusual, right? My wife and kids certainly thought so, especially when the trash was still there the next morning. Maybe there's some weird kids pulling a prank. My wife Lucy remarked, taking a sip from her coffee and glancing nervously at the window. I think she was saying it more for our boys' benefit than our own. I nodded and ushered them away from the windows, told them to go play. The next night, it happened again. No specific time so much as that dead-of-night period between 1am and 3am when the whole world felt totally silent around you. None of our animals made a peep during that time frame nor did we dare to. Because when we heard them roll up again we were paralyzed with fear. It took a few minutes to realize it but when I looked at my wife and she returned my fearful glance with a wide-eyed stare and a nod we scooped up the boys and huddled in our bed. The exact same sounds the exact same timed footsteps the exact same conversation. We heard them drag something wet into the truck before leaving after maybe 15 minutes. My younger boy Jace was always anxious and hearing this uncanny valley crap at his age sent him into a panic attack. We spent the remaining time soothing him while my older son Travis took to peering through the window with me. Our pig pen that lay some 40 feet to the right of the house had the door ripped off the hinges and a blood trail led from the entrance all the way to the farm gates where the garbage men had been. When we mustered up the courage to inspect further the pigs were silent, unmoving and staring at the long dirt road that led away from the home the tall trees that littered our farm looming overhead as if to silence them from telling what they'd seen. We tried calling the city council to complain but they were as perplexed as we were said trash pickup day was still Tuesday and that since it was only Sunday we weren't due. They advised we file a complaint with the police for trespassers but that yielded absolutely nothing. In the meantime things escalated. Night three brought us the same routine same sounds Even after we'd taken to putting a lock on the pig pen, they still took one, this time making sure to leave a small pile of viscera behind, perhaps as a warning. We elected to put the animals in the barn and deadbolt it, hoping the pranksters would get the message and perhaps get bored. I'd ordered a CCTV camera, but with my location being so out of the way, it was going to take some time to arrive, and I wasn't about to stand in my window with a camera pointed at some weirdos. We didn't consider the consequences of this defiance. It was night five. The boys were sleeping in our room and, like clockwork, they showed up and pulled me from what little sleep I was getting, my wife soon after. Silently, goosebumps raised on our skin and a chill in our bones. We strained our ears against the open window hoping to hear their frustration and subsequent decision to leave. The routine continued until Jeff spoke to Bill. The moment they opened their mouths, I knew something was horribly wrong. This the one, Bill? Looks locked to me. I reckon it is Jeff. Let's pay him a visit. They rattled our front doorknob and politely knocked at the door. Five rhythmic knocks. Five seconds of silence. Five more aggressive knocks. I bolted downstairs and grabbed my rifle, keeping the lights off, but my aim focused on them. Adrenaline pushed fear aside, if only to defend my family. I don't know who the hell you are, but you've been coming onto my property unannounced, and I ain't standing for it no more. I pulled back on the bolt and the sound filled the room. You've got three seconds to turn on your heel or I'm firing. My eyes adjusted to the front door and in the darkness, two shapes stood behind my door, shrouded by the shadow of the night. They had tall, thin legs and bizarre movements, like they were swinging in place. Those three seconds felt like an eternity. One The shadow to the front leaned forward, trying to press its face against the glass. Something was wrong. Two. It moved away and tapped the letterbox, testing if it opened up. When it did, it held it open and spoke as the second shadow stepped closer. Three never came. Instead, I backed away out of terror and barricaded our room, unable to speak. It repeated my last words back at me. Exact same pitch, exact same tone. But something was off about it. Like hearing your own voice played back through old speakers, you sense an eeriness to it. As I'd instinctively taken steps back, however, the other spoke. This was the first time either said anything that didn't repeat. And I swear to God, it makes my heart pound in my throat just typing it. We have come to collect. Come outside. My legs carried my body before I could register what was going on. Rushing to the bedroom and locking it, I pulled my family in close and held my head down to theirs, desperate to block out whatever ungodly sounds erupted from our front door. It took a half hour before they gave up, assumed to their usual routine and left. The sound of the tires speeding off up the road, bringing some degree of relief, until the following morning, when our nearest neighbors, the Gundersons, reported a break-in at their farm, some five miles up the road. The perpetrators had smashed through the gate, entered the barn, and done such violent acts to their cattle that of the ten that had been attacked and mutilated. Only two survived, and were immediately put out of their misery by the patriarch, Ted. "'You've been having problems, too?' he bellowed down the phone, once I began retelling our sleepless events. you sound like hell, and probably look worse than the cows at this point. "'I ain't having it. you got a young family to support, "'and when they hurt one of us, they hurt all of us. "'Tonight, we put an end to it.' "'I nodded, agreeing to stake out our property that night.' and do whatever needed to be done. Hands still shaking, I grabbed a stiff drink from the cabinet. Never been much of a drinker. Most of this was my dad's for the tougher times. But if times weren't tough now, I don't know when the hell they would be. Ted rolled up around 11pm. Wife and kids were asleep. And... We chatted in the living room for a while, mainly discussing how the harvest had gone and what we could do to protect our livelihoods in this day and age. The conversation petered off, as it often did when a night drew on, but it was as we fell silent that the realization swept over us. We were going to confront these people tonight. I gripped my gun a little tighter as Ted gave me an assuring nod, peeking out the window for any signs of the garbage men. Son of a... My farm, he bellowed, springing to his feet and bursting out the door before I could get a word in edgeways. He was halfway down the road before I could ask him what he was doing. He turned, his eyes wild with fear and rage, pointing a shaking finger to the small shape that was his house far across the hill. It was on fire. Large pillars of smoke billowed forth as the fire danced in the light, illuminating the surrounding fields. I can't sit here while my farm, my livelihood, burns away, Ty. If those bastards are behind this, well, you can bet your ass they won't last the night when I'm through with them. I'll teach him a lesson about the value of things, the things people throw away. He turned on his heel and ran to his truck, speeding off before anything more could be said. This would be the only night the garbage men didn't pay us a visit. I got a bit of extra sleep but my wife didn't. She just stared out the window at the Gunderson farm in the distance and shook her head. She knew how there would be no help on the horizon. She knew how close we were to that fate. And seeing that scared me to death. The eighth night. They arrived with no vehicle sounds. No grand build-up to the crescendo of the routine. They whistled softly as if calling an animal, patient in their call as they scraped something around in the dirt. I was crippled by fear and could not dream facing them. I looked around in the dark and saw my wife was still asleep, my eldest was snoring in the corner, but my youngest, my youngest was wide awake and transfixed, staring at the window overlooking our driveway, reaching out to open it. I leaped out of bed and just about tackled him away, the shock of waking up to such a violent affair sending him into a panic attack as the entire family snapped awake in a frenzy, shouting over one another as he cried uncontrollably. This has got to stop, Tyson. We can't do this anymore. We can't live like this. Lucy was exhausted, her eyes barely open and her teeth chattering. In the moment of silence between us, the whistling started again almost mocking in its tone if it weren't for the sinister giggling behind it. Shut up. Shut up and leave us alone, she screamed, walking toward the same window. It took everything I had to hold her back as she fell to pieces in my arms, the entire family crippled by nerves and a lack of sleep. It was only when one voice cut the air that the final night's events were set in motion. The things people throw away, Oh God, Ted. One look into my wife's eyes and I knew what she was thinking. There was no stopping her. She darted around, packing the kids' clothes and any essentials she could find, ignoring the whistling outside, and instructing our boys to focus on getting whatever they needed. You do what you need to do. I don't care if the nearest town is a three-hour drive or I undergo the seven-hour drive to my mom's. I will not stay another night in this house. Not until they're gone. She was almost delirious, fueled by fear and anger, as she darted around like a hurricane, turning over tables to get what she needed as if preparing for a weather event. Within the half hour she'd been rushing around, the noises had faded, and the outside once again fell silent. I couldn't leave the house. It had been in our family for generations. We'd been born here, lived here, and died here no matter what. As the head of the family, it was my job to stay here and protect it, even if I couldn't protect those that I loved most under its roof. She waited another hour before getting in the car and leaving, kissing me with all the passion she'd had when we first met. I told Jace he had to be strong and that he'd one day conquer his fears because I believed in him. I told Travis that, as the eldest, he needed to protect them like his life depended on it. Then, just like that, I waved them goodbye, and promised I'd join them at their mother-in-law's when this was over. Now all that was left was to sharpen my resolve and find out what this was. I took the chance to try and get some sleep during the day, but no matter how hard I tried... It wouldn't come to me. So liquid courage it was. One way or another, this was going to end. Night nine, the penultimate night. Not a sound. I mean that in the most literal sense. The wind didn't move, the trees didn't speak. Not a single blade of grass danced and no dirt was kicked up. Everything was silent. So silent. My own thoughts were amplified in this void of sound. Every inane thought of what could happen flitting through my mind and forcing me to double-check every window and door. Triple-check the locks, ensure no oversight was left. Couldn't let them get an opportunity. Even if it's just me, I knew they're watching even now if I didn't know any better I'd have said a shadow moved just behind the porch window couldn't be sure not without checking I think they're biding their time keeping me on edge and making sure I knew they could step in whenever they wanted and do as they pleased but I kept my nerve I resisted the urge to bolt to the truck I had my whiskey and I had my gun I'd see this through even if it killed me night ten now you're all caught up I checked on the animals this morning what was left was a pile of bones flesh and waste they'd been taken the night before and I didn't know how I didn't hear during the silence there was but one horse's body left teeth marks riddled the torso and the legs had been torn off Our crops have grown fetid, decayed and worn. Nothing in our farm would yield a damn thing anymore. My livelihood was decimated in front of my eyes, gone. It's late now. I'm sitting in my armchair with a rifle loaded and ready. My hands are shaking and my knee won't stop bouncing. I feel the dread start in my gut and worm its way through my chest before lodging in my throat and forcing every breath to be a labour of pain. They came early tonight Truck roaring and routine sounds in full swing Only There weren't two sets of thuds this time There were six They walked up to the porch A shadow covering every facet of the window and the door panes Not a speck of light coming through The voices didn't change their pattern, they never do This the one, Bill? Looks ready to me. They pounded their fists against the window, a dull moan emanating from the background. Pained, muffled, and growing in strength. I reckon it is, Jeff. Let's get her done. Nails dragging down the glass. A horrific groaning accompanied the repeated intonations of their godforsaken phrases. The things people throw away. Ted. Poor Ted. Smashing his head against the wall. Repeating it with every sick swing. It was only when I heard the fourth voice that I finally looked out the window, perhaps on instinct. Not until they're gone. My Lucy. My sweet Lucy calling to me. I can't begin to tell you what I saw when I pulled back the curtains for just a split second but every forbidden aspect of it has burned into my brain and it will not leave me even as I shut my eyes from the surrounding chorus of madness. My kids my kids are now saying they've come to collect that I must come outside that whistle has come back it's it's almost soothing I can't bear to do this on my own. I can't live with that image in my skull anymore. I miss my wife. I miss my kids. I miss sleeping soundly at night. What if it is them out there? What if they're really just wanting me to get help? And my own sick mind has put me in such a state that I'm here, asking you for help on something that is, at its core, truly simple. I'm going to put down the laptop and open the door. I have to know. I have to. Why did the garbage men start coming in the dead of night? Does anyone know? Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow the podcast in your favourite podcast app.